Welcome to Virgin Territory, a podcast brought to you by SHIP. Each episode brings you new guests and new topics. We ask all the questions you are dying to know, from dating, sexual education and wellness, to kink, polyamory, and everything in between. Now please welcome your host, Vima Manfredo. Welcome back, everyone. We've been away for a little bit, but we are back in the full swing of things, and we have an amazing interview for you today. We have with us the authors of Pussypedia, Zoe and Maria. Welcome, both of you. Um, let's start with a quick introduction. Um, Maria, if you want to go first. Yeah, my name is Maria. Uh, my pronouns are she, her. I'm a visual artist and illustrator living in Mexico City. Um, my name is Zoe Mendelssohn. My pronouns are she, her, and I'm a journalist and researcher and content strategist living also in Mexico City. Awesome. That is so great. Thank you so much for joining us in our little podcast here. Um, I'm very excited to have this conversation about Pussypedia. I'm very excited for the book to come out. Um, so what inspired both of you to write this book? Um, well, I was Googling if all women could squirt. I was arguing about it with my ex-boyfriend and I started Googling it and I, I just kind of noticed that a lot of the information was that I found was very bad quality information. And so I started reading some medical journal articles and had a really hard time understanding what I was reading. But when I did finally understand it, I was very surprised about a lot of it. And I thought that it was just wrong that it was so hard to find that information. And so I called Maria and I proposed to her that we did some kind of project about vaginas. She said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we're very glad that you said yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, well, my, my work before Pussypedia as an illustrator, as an, an artist was all about the body too. Like I was trying to change, I think, Firstly, my main, my personal perception over my own body, and I was trying to transmit that with my art. So when Zoe told me about this Pussypedia project, I was like, of course, yeah, that's a missing piece of, of this uh, purpose that I have in my life. Mm -hmm. That's, that's so important. Definitely. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it feels a void that we all have as, as pussy owners. Um, which we'll get into a little bit later, but I'm curious on how did you two meet and how did you decide that you will be a great partners for this project? Uh, we meet very randomly, actually. I, <laughs> I met Zoe's brother through couch surfing like 10 years, almost 10 years ago, and we dated for a while, and that's how I met Zoe because she was visiting Mexico City and her brother asked me to host her, show her the city. And we became really good friends. And then Zoe moved to the city and yeah, it's been wild. We've been trying to collaborate for a very long time. And finally the perfect project came to us. That's so cool. Um, <laughs> and so, what was your sex education growing up? I I feel like that's a 
really big part of why you built Pussypedia on that lack of information, but how did sex education look like in your growing years? <laughs> I think it was like very opposite. I mean, I, between us, for me, I, I grew up in a very progressive household. My mom was very forthcoming about all of this stuff. She was very open with us. We could really ask anything. Um, and even in schools, I didn't have good sex education, but I had better sex education than most people. <laughs> you know, we, I, in Chicago public schools, at least it wasn't abstinence only. It was mostly about, you know, protecting yourself against STIs and it was very fear-based, but at least it wasn't abstinence education. Like, yeah. Um, for Maria, it was very different. Yeah, it was very different. I lived in a very small city, like two hours away from Mexico City of my childhood. And in my experience, like I wasn't, I didn't talk about these topics with my family. And in the school, it was like very conservative and religious. And the education was, the sexual education was, I don't know, missing. Like everything had to do with morals and values and things that weren't like super far away of what is important. And yeah, so that was my experience, which was mostly covered with shame and guilt and that kind of narrative. Yeah, I, I can definitely identify with that. Uh, growing up in Puerto Rico, it was the same for me where most of the sex education it's coded with a lot of shame and guilt and chastity and trying to not tell you any of, inf of the information that you need as a teenager because they're afraid that you may use that information, which is the whole point. Um, so <laughs> coming into information, it's like, well, I, I kind of need to know this, even if I'm on on air quotes saving myself for marriage this is still information that i'll need eventually so i never understood that that hesitancy to provide that information to young adults and to teenagers and to early adults um because we we will eventually need it no matter when you start your journey and understanding your own body is a big part of that yeah. So one thing I'm very curious about is why you started, why you use the word pussy as part of your book and your, and your material. Um, when we were brainstorming words for the project, uh, the first things that came to our mind were the words vagina, like vaginopedia or vulvapedia. And then we realized that we were using the word in a very wrong way because Vagina only refers to one specific part of the body. And when we call vagina the whole thing, we are uh, dismissing a lot of parts that are very important, like the vulva, uh, where is the clitoris, that is the organ that, is, that uh, produces our pleasure. And also we needed a word that could include all the anatomical expressions that exist. And a fun word that could stick in everyone's minds. And I think pussy was a very fun word. And yeah. 
yeah i i i like the braveness and the and the affrontness of just using pussy because that's that is one of the slangs that we use and why not so i i definitely like that um i know your book is also bilingual so why was it important for both of you to have this kind of resource in both spanish and english because well the book's not bilingual yet it will be in a year we'll ha we'll have the spanish edition um and we would have done a simultaneous release if we could have but i think it's important because we just we care about our community <laughs> we both live in mexico city i mean it would be really weird to just like make a product together that was only like if you are i don't know like if you live in the states it would be weird to like make a project that was only in like Swedish. <laughs> like we wanted our own community, we wanted to benefit our own community. So, and I think also because they need it even more in Latin America. See, sí. also I think being bilingual has the possibility to reach more people than just being in one language. And that was like the main purpose of the project, no? get the knowledge out there for everyone yeah that that is so important and you mentioned something very important we need it a lot in latin america can you expand a little bit on on that i'm gonna close my white girl mouth and let maria do that one <laughs> <laughs> well i think that here in latin america most of the sexual education resides uh, like we said before knowing other things that aren't related to our bodies and, you know, these kind of issues are addressed in a, how can I explain this? Um, yeah, like in a very limiting, shameful way. So we need to have information that is more objective, that is fun, that is direct, that is honest, that talks to you in a very direct way instead of scaring you of your own body and yeah messing with your own perception of what it is to live and embody yourself no yeah i i, I agree 100 percent. it's it's also giving the power back to the latina woman and the latina pussy owners that that power has been taken from us in so many different ways in the way that our Latino society is built. So these kind of projects can give us that power back and it's so important. Yeah, and also we are like trying to change the narratives and trying to make, to include like the most diverse expressions that exist out there. It's just not this uh, one specific um, model or I don't know, like, as I grew up with one beauty standard, no? Now that it's like 20, almost 2022, like there is a whole diversity of people, humans in the world. And it's cool to have a project that can include and think about all this diversity. Yeah, that is that is so important. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the, the Spanish edition. I'm going to send it to all my family back in Puerto Rico so they can also learn about themselves. Thank you. Um, so I'm so excited for that. Um, so this project was over 200 contributors, right? How do you go about choosing 
who could contribute to the project? It was more about like who could put up with my like research standards. <laughs> so what, what were your, your standards? Well, also just to clarify, like the project, there's pussypedia.net that was built by like 200 something volunteers. And then there's um, the book, which is me and Maria and our um, research helpers and our fact checkers. Um, I mean, the process was, it was pretty annoying for anyone who, who isn't like excited about research and fact checking. But yeah, we made people check off a list of qualifications for every source that they cited. And they had to like make a comment in a Google doc at the end of every sentence and paste the sentence that they were paraphrasing in the sentence that they wrote with the source. Um, and, you know, have fact checkers go back and make sure they paraphrase correctly. And then, you know, they have to go through different rounds where it's like, well, I don't think that's what the study was saying. So you need to change this. And can you make sure, did you go check the, the study that that study was citing? And you know, all that. So the people, a lot of people wanted to work on it and I said yes to everyone, but um, there was a pretty like a quick drop-off point once people saw the, the writer's guide. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it has to be that rigorous when you're trying to put out resources that are medically accurate. They yeah. need, you need to prove that they're medically accurate. You can't yeah. just put that label on everything. Right. But yeah, it is very rigorous and, and it's akin to when you're writing your thesis, so you have to, every sentence you make that has a statement on it, you need to make sure that you're correct to the best of your ability. So it's it's quite rigorous. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned, you just corrected me and I, and I appreciate it about the book versus the website. Mm -hmm. um, so could you describe what the website is about and what does it contain? Um, yeah, so the the subject matter is very similar between the the book and the site. Um, they are based off sort of the same list of topics that we wanted to cover, although there's like not it's like not entirely the same. There's some that each have that the other doesn't, but it's the same. I mean, it, there's everything from like safe sex, masturbation, periods, douches, um, you know, uh, infections, um, birth control, male birth control, where um, <laughs> double standards around birth control side effects. There's lots of um, lots of different pussy related topics. Nice. And also, the sorry, the website has a 3D model of the pussy that you can explore. Uh, 360 and in layers and you can know how your body looks inside and it's like very enlightening and also uh, in the website we have all these resources that you can access directly and that's awesome because you read an article and then at the end at the bottom you have this list of links that will take you to different websites or art projects or videos or infographics or things that has already been also checked, verified. And yeah, and well, the illustrations, 
are in different colors than the book. And they were made by a lot of illustrators from different parts from Latin America and the US. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have an actual 3D model of the pussy. Yes. That's so cool. Um, so going back to the book, uh, who was your target audience when you were putting together this book? Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to like write to somebody. Um, but I was trying to write to everybody. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, maybe I was really trying to write to me at like 13 or something like 13 year old Zoe. Right. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, yeah. So even though it's it, the book was written for everybody, the different audiences will receive it differently. So if there is a, 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 a man reading the book, it will be he will be looking for something very different in the book that if it was a woman I am if, or if it was someone that was uh, non-binary. So how do you try to accommodate all those views into one cohesive nar narrative? I think you can't. You, you can't give everybody what they need out of it. So, um... I just tried to give as much as I could and hope for the best. I think like you, everybody needs to hear different things and what 13 year old Zoe needed to hear is not what everyone else is going to need to hear. And like, I couldn't sort of write from the, you know, I, there's, I tried to write about like historical injustices against a lot of different groups and, and experiences that different groups still have that I'll never have that I don't, I didn't want to try to sort of speak to personally. So I brought in other people to try to, to fill those roles. And um, yeah, you, you can't talk to everybody. You can just um, say what you can and, and hope that it's helpful. Yeah, that, that's definitely a good part of it. Um, so you mentioned your, in your youth, 13-year-old Zoe. Um, she needed a lot of information that she didn't have in hand. Um, what I mean, so did 23-year-old Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but what would be like the one advice you would give your younger self now that you've done all this research on uh, for the book and for the website? One thing you could go back in time and tell your, your teenage yourself, it'll be okay because blank. Oh my God. I don't know. I like had this cycle of yeast infections that just never stopped because I was like washing between my inner labia with soap, like trying to wash my vagina, which is like, you're never supposed to put soap in there. And, and so I, I definitely suffered unnecessarily for a long time. <laughs> I also I also wish I'd learned how to um like hurt men's feelings sooner um <laughs> like I really like I think that not only did I have a lot of sex to not hurt men's feelings but I had just like spent a lot of time doing shit I really want to be doing not to hurt men's feelings <laughs> 
Um, yeah, that's. I think those two things, and um, that's it. Maria, what would you say? <clears throat> I would say my advice to my younger self would be um, ask for what you want like you deserve pleasure and like stop going under these narratives like what Zoe said no trying to please someone else before uh you before yourself like putting others before you that's not a good thing in sex and tampoco in your life <laughs> so true um so why do you think there's such a lack of information about pussies and vulvas and vaginas and basically everything that we have in our pants? <laughs> um, yeah, there's definitely a shortage on information about legs too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I've never seen a single book about legs. Um, but no, because, well, there's two reasons. One is that the knowledge isn't produced because it's not funded because it's not considered important and because it's taboo and that's you know it a taboo isn't just something like things embarrassing it's also something that delegitimatizes it so it's not funded because people read proposals for funding for studies about pussies and they say like Ugh, what is this no you know, like this isn't important, this isn't relevant. Um, a and B, what information there is, is still treated that way. So it doesn't trickle down into like school books and, you know, it's considered profane. It's considered profane stuff. So it's not taken seriously as something that needs to be educated about. Yeah, that 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 is so true. Um, that's the same reason why there is a million different medications for treating erectile dysfunction, but there's still no cure for endometriosis. Exactly. And you can see the difference in where the, the, the priorities in the medical field are. And there, there's a lot of uterus owner people that have have to endure so much pain through years and years and years because there's no other way to treat endometriosis other than maybe either remove your uterus or go on birth control and both of those are very invasive mm -hmm. so there is definitely a lack of information and a lack of research out there um so i wanted to talk a little bit more about the illustrations um maria that that was your your forte yeah. uh, why was it so important to include illustrations on the book? Let's start there. Um, I think it's important because um, that motivates people to read. <laughs> like if the, the first thing that you want to engage in a reading, in a lecture, and also, you know, like the visual language with, how do you say, um, uh, backs up what is written, no? It is also joyful, direct. I try in my creative process, you know, like when I have a topic I have to illustrate, I gather every perspective that has been uh, represented of that topic. And then I choose 
the grown ones, like what is more repetitive, no? Like in abortion, you go and search images of abortion and all you see is like blood or like, um, yeah, blood or very horrifying scenarios, but there is no representations of medication, abortion, or um, yeah, so I try to include different perspectives on, on, on the drawings and create images that I would love to see when I was younger and that will facilitate understanding the purpose of this book. Mm-hmm. That's, that's great. I, uh, so you have, do you have a favorite illustration that you did for the book? Um, I have many. I, I feel very satisfied with the work in this book, but I love the masturbation one. I think that's my favorite because I really hope it encouraged people to touch themselves. <laughs> and, you know, it's like trying to portray a very intimate moment and making it look like it's joyful and it makes you feel like you're in heaven instead of like other things that may come up to your mind when you think about a woman masturbating. Um, yeah, and what else? The main illustration for uh, sex and pleasure because it's a lesbian relationship that is portrayed there. And you know, we're very used that to see uh, experiences that are very heteronormative. So I'm trying to just make it different. You know, there are a lot of ways that we can express and show love. So that's one of them. And yeah, but you have to buy the book so you can get it. <laughs> that's a good point. So where can we buy the book and when? <laughs> it's out. You can buy it. Um, anywhere you buy books. Um, so you can find it anywhere. Uh, it's out now. So go find it. People that are listening to our voices. Um, and what is just for for the notes? What is the at the URL address for the website? Um, Pussypedia.net. Awesome. Uh, so we'll have that on the notes. So people that are listening to us in the car, don't pull over. Just just wait until the end. You you can find it later. Um, so, Pussypedia, like you mentioned, the 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 website Pussypedia was a community effort. How can people support the continuation of of this work and making sure that this work continues to be alive, as in online? Um, is there a place that people can give you donations or they can volunteer to? go through your rigorous process right now the best thing is just for people to share it is the best it's really the best thing for us so that it can do its job yeah um so what's next after pussypedia for for either one of you for both of you mm-hmm. mm, i don't know i want a baby I want to give my husband a visa and I want a baby. And that's kind of all I, I think about now. <laughs> Those are difficult to find, the babies. They're hard to find. <laughs> I've been looking everywhere. <laughs> How are you, Maria? Um, painting. 
I'm I'm back in my personal production and I'm working on my solo show, on my next solo show, and I'm making these big paintings of consciousness uh, recovering their power. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, let's just do a little promotion of your work. When is your next show? <laughs> my next show is uh, in September 8th in Mexico City in a gallery called Machete. And you will be able to watch it through my Instagram if you are not in Mexico City, uh, Maria Conejo. I'm there in Instagram and in the algorithm. <laughs> awesome. Um, so Maria Conejo, that's I spelled that's the same as your last name, right? Yes. All right. So that's M-A-R-I-A and Conejo is C-O-N-E-J-O. Just yes. for the listeners. <laughs> That's correct. Awesome. Uh, so I'll be there on Instagram. Um, for all of you, start following Maria. Uh, Zoe, what's your Instagram? Do you have one? <laughs> yeah, it's Y-O-U-N-G-Z-O-K-E-Z-I-A-H. <laughs> you can put it in the notes. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> give it a new handle. That's quite a handle but we'll have it in the show notes um so everyone can follow both of you and we can see your show um in maria in september i'm very excited for that that sounds really awesome uh so let's do a couple of fun questions since we still have a little bit of time my first question is what kind of dog was barking in the background <laughs> do you know the the breed maria what sorry what kind of dog is at your studio? Ah, uh, it's a salchicha. <laughs> I don't know how, what's the name in English. Dachshund. That. Dachshund, a salchicha. You can call it a wiener dog, too. A wiener dog, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those are cute, mean dogs. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> so are they your pets? Or they're the studio pets? Uh, it's studio pets. It's like someone has it living here and now we all take turns to take care of the dog. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, but we loved it. Loved him. Oh, um, Zoe, do you have any pets? I have a dog that is a very magical, old very old dog. I can't talk about the dog right now. I'm going to start crying. So we'll have to talk about something else. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's quite all right. Um, so going back to the illustrations for fun, um, what was the funniest one to draw where you couldn't like hold your laughter back while you were laughing? Because the we baby, know we only play it. <laughs> the baby, come, the baby's face and the birth one is <laughs> Oh, funny. It's like, I think that's funniest. That's the funniest one. The birth illustration. Because there is a baby coming out and it's a little bit mad about it. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, why? I want to describe exactly what Zoe's doing to the camera where <laughs> the face that she's making is hilarious. I'm so sorry that we don't have the video for that but it's amazing. <laughs> um, so is there any other 
things that you would like our listeners to know about, about your Pussypedia project and the Pussypedia book and the future Pussypedia in Spanish book? <laughs> Um, there's going to be editions for Spain and Latin America separately, which I was very happy, relieved about because a lot of books used to just be all translated in Spanish, Spanish, in like Spain, Spanish, and then released in Latin America sounding all weird, which I think is so messed up. Like, oh my God, that that was like automatically just the the default translation mode is so colonialist and sad because I mean IMO Latin American Spanish is way cooler <laughs> yes it is <laughs> so like I don't know anyway I'm, I'm happy about that that's really cool I mean I, I agree. If I see something written in, in Spaniard Spanish, I, I'm very hesitant to read it because it sounds weird. I'm, I'm sure that people from Spain don't think it sounds weird, but there's more people in Latin America. It's not their Spanish. fault. They're born talking like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I definitely prefer Latin American Spanish, even if it's not Puerto Rican Spanish, which is a completely different thing altogether. So different. Oh my God. So different. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm definitely used for when I grew up, all my classes were in Spanish. So most of my books were translated in Mexico. Um, so I'm definitely more used to the Mexican slangs within Spanish than any other country. And then once you read something from Spain, you're like, what 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 are you trying to say again because yeah. that just makes no sense <laughs> also I think that like the Simpsons has a big part of that like because the Simpsons was broadcast all over Latin America in Mexican Spanish with Mexican humor and Mexican slang like all of the rest of Latin America understands Mexican slang but like that doesn't apply the other way around that's very true uh, do you have a favorite Simpson character? Simpsons character? Um, I think Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Maria? Um, I don't know. I like Lisa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, fun fact: when I moved to the states, um, I watched The Simpsons for the first time in English. And I could not deal with it because the voices are so different. Like, why did they give Marge such a raspy voice? Was my first question. And I could not understand why she was so like, it's like she needed vocal cord surgery in English. <laughs> Uh, so this has been a blast. Um, thank you so much for jumping in on the podcast on Virgin Territory. Uh, to emphasize again, the book is available anywhere you can find books, but you can probably find it on pussypedia.net, the website project that has the 3D version of a pussy. Um, and the best way to support this project and the project coming forward with the Spanish the both Spanish version. Um, it's just share uh, the content, tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know about this project because it's so important to share this kind of information for everyone and have medically, medically accurate information. Um, 
And we'll have in the show notes your both of your Instagram handles. But for those of you that are listening that have excellent memory, it's uh, Young So Kizia <laughs> and Maria Conejo. Um, thank you so much. Um, I'll leave you with um, any last thoughts that you want to share to our listeners. Mm, have fun. Have a fun weekend. <laughs> enjoy your buddies touch yourself <laughs> yeah have fun and masturbate <laughs> definitely exactly. thank you so much thank you so thank much you. for having us we really appreciate it it was nice to talk to you thank you thank you you've been listening to virgin territory a podcast by ship a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing culturally inclusive medically accurate and pleasure-guided sexuality, education, therapy, and professional training to adults. You can visit us online at weknowship.org.